Welcome to the Skull Splitter Dice Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons. Visit us at SkullsplitterDice.com for the best D&D dice in the realms. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, everyone. I'm Patrick Ferguson with Skull Splitter Dice, and in today's video, we're going to be discussing how to play D&D online. I, of course, like many people, think that tabletop games are meant to be played around a table with a lot of dice and snacks, but sometimes that's just not the case. One of your party members could be on vacation or something like that and want to tune in. All of you could just be far away and actually want to play a tabletop game together, or you could be social distancing on account of the current global pandemic. Good on you for doing so. We are in a golden age of online services and tools, and though the accommodation of an online session can be a bit of a hurdle, I'm going to go over everything you need to know in order to actually make it possible. The first step is to analyze your game group's needs in terms of translating the experience from in-person to online, and there's a bit more nuance to this than you might think. A DM who relies on roleplay might not need all the fancy bells and whistles that a lot of online services offer, whereas someone who has a more wargaming state of mind when they're DMing would probably rely on these kind of things. Either way, you definitely want to assess what your group is trying to get out of their sessions before you decide on how you're going to bring your sessions online. We've made a list of things that you'll probably need in order to translate your games to an online setting, but one that you're going to almost certainly need is a strong internet connection, and it's kind of hard to work around this, though possible. A steady internet connection will ensure that you can do video calls, use different services and things like that, but if you truly can't get one from someone who wants to join your group, you can always revert to things like Discord or Skype messages or text messages in order to keep them involved that way. If someone's internet connection is prone to blacking out and things like that, you can also keep them in the game by creating a roleplay reason as to why their character would disappear and reappear at will or at random even. There are workarounds for this, but I would say that a steady internet connection is pretty essential at the end of the day. While you can technically get away with doing text messages for a lot of things, I have found that this doesn't work for most groups. For pretty apparent reasons, but the number one being that role-playing is kind of thrown out the window. So I would recommend voice chat to those groups. Voice chat gives you a lot of flexibility, you can keep a lot of people in at once, and I found that opening up a Discord channel just allows people to feel like they're all in the same space. This is something me and my Call of Cthulhu group do a lot, actually. Whatever method you choose, I definitely recommend giving yourself 20 minutes of time to make sure everyone's equipment and connection is up to snuff. And if I had to recommend a service, there's obviously Discord, like I said, and calling, but Skype calls usually work as well. I would just say steer clear of Roll20's voice chat service because I have found it rather unreliable, so I can't recommend it. Moving up from voice chat is video chat, and this is when you'll start to find a lot more options and features available to you. Some of the software options that you have may also have voice chat capabilities, such as Roll20, Skype, Google Hangouts, or Zoom, though Zoom is entangled in their own controversy as of late, so just do your own research on that. Video capability is a largely optional thing. Someone could easily join in as a voice channel and still have a lot of fun, even if everyone else is on a video channel. Just make sure to clear this with everyone in your group before you make online video a permanent installation of your sessions, as some people might not want to broadcast their faces while in the privacy of their own home. Something that a few groups may find useful is online dice rolling, but I don't think the vast majority of groups will. 
unless there's a player in your group that's always rolling like nat 20s and stuff like that, I think rolling your dice at home and simply stating your result works just fine. But if you are a DM that's suspicious of that kind of behavior, there are plenty of options. And if you use things like virtual tabletop, that stuff's already built in. And you can also use things like Discord bots in order to get results that way. The point is, there are definitely options if you're a little incredulous of your player's results. Speaking of virtual tabletop, let's discuss that really quick, because there really is a difference between playing D&D using the internet and playing D&D online. Playing D&D with the internet means you're typically doing stuff like working around someone's schedule. Playing D&D online means you're using programs to enhance your game. Roll20 and Fantasy Ground are probably the biggest frontrunners in this regard, but they all boil down to the same service. They provide a tabletop for you to adventure on in the digital realm. Really though, you don't need any of this stuff to play D&D. Many DMs play completely in the theater of the mind anyway, so stuff like miniatures and grid boards are things they don't even find useful, much less online services. However, if you find this way of playing appealing, we are going to go over those frontrunners I mentioned. Starting off with Roll20. Roll20 is free, which already gives it a leg up on its competition and therefore wider usage among the community. It's also not attached to any single system and already has support for big names as well as quite a few small third-party systems and even board games. What it isn't though is intuitive. Running a game on Roll20 often feels like navigating a strange conglomeration of Photoshop and Excel. It's not badly designed, mind you, it's just hard to get the hang of, especially at first. And if you're running something new, you can technically run anything on it, but it's going to take some coding in order to get it to really work. Fantasy Grounds, on the other hand, feels like a complete opposite to Roll20. It's not free for starters, and a lot like D&D Beyond, you'll have to buy a lot of virtual books in order to get anything started. It also has a lot of artistic flair compared to Roll20, meaning that everything's going to look a lot prettier and a lot less like a spreadsheet. Fantasy Ground forces you to buy books, but once you do, all the work is really done for you. One of the biggest complaints used to be that it was limited to D&D 5e, but they have since then updated it to accommodate more systems. You don't have a lot of opportunities for homebrew, but you also have way less work to do for a much prettier result. Overall, Roll20 is a free and versatile option, it's just going to take some prep time to learn, and it doesn't look nearly as good as Fantasy Grounds, which is a paid service, but will also be easier to use and provides the aesthetics that you probably want. If you're having a campaign that's exclusively online and you're going to be playing that for the long haul, I say go Fantasy Grounds, but if it's a temporary accommodation, go Roll20. Let's quickly discuss calling in a player. One of the most common reasons to make any of the aforementioned online stuff work is to accommodate one player who can't make a session or two. I know I said video chat isn't that important, but it's a major thing when everyone else is in the room except for that one person. They could easily be forgotten because they don't have a physical presence there. Their voice could go unheard or their transmission drowned out by any number of things, laughter, noise, or just a bad signal. I recommend setting up something like a laptop screen or a tablet in a very prominent place so that they can see the entire group and the game board. This may seem like a lot of extra work, I get it, but I guarantee that that player will appreciate it and they'll feel a lot more included as a result. I've done this with my group plenty of times and some of our favorite sessions included this adjustment so that we could all be there for the adventure together. So I can vouch not only for its viability, but also for its seamlessness. 
Honestly, the best advice I have on all of this is just to keep it simple. Once you've figured out the bare necessities, I recommend that you stick with them. Yes, it's really cool that you were able to add digital fog to your online game map, but if it took you an hour to figure that out, I promise you it was not worth it. Pacing is utterly important in a D&D session, and it's even more important when you're wrangling a bunch of people over the phone, over voice chat, over video chat, when they're naturally more inclined to become disengaged with the story and the game itself. So keep things moving once you figure it out, talk to your players, figure out what they want out of the sessions and stuff like that, and just stick to it. Thank you guys so much for watching, I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we put out new content like this every week. And if you have any tips on how to make an online session of D&D run any more smoothly, I would love to hear about it down in the comments. My name's Patrick Ferguson with Skull Splitter Dice, and until next time, farewell. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe so you never miss out.